0: And we're back.
1: Ni hao. <laughs> that's the intro. <laughs> that's, that's hello in Chinese.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: I looked that one up. On your phone? Yep. Just now.
0: Man, you can learn so much from Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so great. So good. Why did
1: we, why did we pick this topic? Do you remember? Uh, I believe our sound guy, Nate Luke, he kind of proposed the idea. He uh, said, hey, guys, let's talk about this topic.
0: And the comment, I believe, was if we do this topic, I'll have a
1: lot to say about it.
0: That's right. That's right. I have
1: experience in it, he said.
0: That means maybe, um, should he lead this then?
1: I think so. He should also say the prayer at the end, too. (laughs) We know you're not going to. Nope. Absolutely not checking it out man checking
2: it out <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll we'll rope him we'll rope him into some of this uh I do think that we have some really good stuff to talk about Cody we were talking beforehand you know in the subject of poverty um uh, you were reading a quote from a minister that said hey this is a subject that is that Jesus talked about a lot
1: yeah yes that is correct i uh I was trying to do some research on this in between my job, um, and one of the things that he made mention was that uh, money is mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible, and that he also noted that Jesus spoke about money more so than heaven and hell, and I, I found that pretty interesting, honestly. So,
0: And you don't have to dig very deeply in Scripture to find verses, passages, parables, whatever, you name it, that talk about this issue. And so we we want to talk about poverty. We want to talk about money. We want to talk about the biblical view of this in the context of our culture and some of the things that, that we see. So, I, you know, I guess there are a lot of ways that we could start this and there's a few different places that I kind of want us to kind of work through, but I felt like maybe the best way to start talking about this, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit with this Cody Mm -hmm. and Nate, I think here is just your personal, let's get a little personal here. Your personal struggles and victories when it comes to money in perspective. Let's 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 just talk in general about ourselves and kind of where we come from. And then maybe piggyback off that into what God says about it and what we can learn and kind of move forward together with. So again, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit and mm. I apologize for that, but we we definitely want this to be to be something real we're not experts on any of these subjects but we absolutely have experienced things that put us in a place where maybe we can talk about it and and maybe by talking about it bring some freedom you know in other people's lives who maybe listen to this or at least perspective so with that said i i want to I want to just make mention, um, before we get into this any further, and that also give you guys time to think about this a little bit, but we love doing this. Like this has been a true joy. We look forward to this, right guys?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: So part of that is we want, we want, if you enjoy it and you feel like it, it is something that, that is encouraging to you that you feel like would benefit other people as well. Share it. Um, don't, you know, don't just listen. Like, help us kind of get this out there, because even though we would say, hey, we're not experts, we don't got it all figured out, you know, we we hope this can be a blessing, and, and that's what we pray for when, when, when we talk about this and we think about this and we put the time in through the week to prepare for this. So please, share, like, follow, Tell people about it. Get the word out. Uh, we want we want as many people exposed to this as possible, so that maybe God can use to bless someone. I mean, that's the hope. That's the goal. So I just I, I want to say that just kind of going in. Um, so with that said, um, let's kind of get the discussion started. Cody, maybe start. Uh, I know w- we've talked, you know, at times about money and different things. Mm-hmm what what is your life experience with this what you know i know you've faced struggles i know now because of some of the stuff facing the coronavirus and and what's going on that 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 it has made things difficult at times for you guys and so maybe talk a little bit about the personal side of of money and 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 what this subject means to you
1: yeah, I, uh, as a kid, I grew up in a uh, family where my mom and dad both worked. I can distinctly remember my mom, uh, she was trying to get a job at the high school that I attended, and uh, she was not working, obviously, at the time prior to that. My dad, he's carried mail for the uh, postal service for, I believe, it upwards of 35 years plus, plus. and so that's what he was doing during that time, and I remember she uh, interviewed for this job and, and they declined her for that position. and it was so devastating for her because she wanted to, to benefit the family because I had a brother. I, I don't't had, had a brother. I have a brother, and I have a sister. And um, then they called her back about a week later and offered her the job. And I remember the excitement she had with that and how our family's lifestyle kind of changed. We end up buying a house. I, I grew up in a trailer for about eleven years of my life, and we end up buying a house. I think I was around fifth grade, and we moved to closer to the city of Hillsboro, um, you know. And so, as I became an adult, one of the things that I put a lot of emphasis on, especially when I got married and started my family, was I watched my dad be a provider with with the money. I, I watched him, you know, with the the bills and I watched him carry the insurance and, and all that growing up as a kid. So I wanted to put that emphasis in my life because I looked up to my dad. And, um, so I went out and tried to find jobs with good insurance, decent pay. Um, and I struggled with jobs in between. I sold cars. I, I was a probation officer. Um, I, uh, went and worked for the prisons for a short stint. And, um, I really put an emphasis on that to just be a provider during that time. Um, but now, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, I with the COVID-19 going around, my wife is self-employed. She owns a hair salon here in Leesburg, and she was one of the businesses that had to shut down. And when she shut down, she's a 1099 employee employee, and they don't have benefits for her they don't she doesn't qualify for for unemployment I mean they're in the process of changing that right now but that was devastating I mean we we went from making X amount of money to now it's just me as a police officer Um, we have a business we have a business mortgage we have a a home mortgage we have two utilities we have a lot of different bills that some people don't have and so it's been a stressful time uh, with this um so yeah, I mean we we I've put a lot of emphasis in my life with money. I mean, we can go I can go deeper into this as we keep continue to talk. I don't want to take up any of Nathan's time because he wants to share his his uh stories as well. But I think
0: he's going to go by Nathaniel. Nathaniel? Yes. Okay. So uh so maybe we could refer to him as Nathaniel from Nathaniel, this point forward. You are up. <laughs> yeah, Nate. And I think, too, talking about that, when it comes to this, there are a lot of people, as the governor gets up and talks each week, as we hear the president talk about these situations, money is a real issue. People are losing their jobs. They are... There is real poverty that is happening that that people are being forced into because, not because they don't want to work, but because they can't, because their jobs are going away. And so there is a lot of times a fear that can come financially in in people's lives in that time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, yeah, it's something definitely, I mean, the subject is is timely, it's important, and uh, we can't, we can't minimize the the effects that it's going to have long term even from this point on i was listening to a podcast this week npr did uh a little thing on on poverty and they were talking this was something they did back i think in may 2008 19 and the the subject in the subject they were talking about people from 2008 when the the financial kind of crash happened then people still recovering still in poverty because of some of the things that had happened at that point so this is going to be something that goes on Mm -hmm. from here for a while i mean this is not something that it's just gonna we're just gonna be over it next month like this is something that's 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 gonna hit it's gonna have long lasting effects that we don't know about. And so understanding how do we, how do we deal with this properly is, is extremely important. Sure. Nate, kind of same thing, kind of background of, of some of that money and just your views and kind of how you grew up and, and some of those
2: things. And then, you know, I'll kind of do the same. Yeah, definitely. So growing up, um, personally, I mean, I, my family never really had too big of a problem with money or anything like that um dad passed away when i was young so mom had to kind of take that responsibility of raising a family of you know uh four kids i almost i almost lost how many tr- uh, track of how many brothers and sisters i had there for a second but <laughs> me too
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but mom had to take that responsibility as a single parent and so by no means did we ever struggle for for money or to have food on the table or anything like that but you know, growing up here and there, I I would always remember hearing mom say, Hey, we, we need to, uh, to chill out with going out to eat and things like that, you know, stuff that you hear normal families say for the most part. But, uh, you know, those were things that kind of stick in my mind that, um, you know, that I hope I never have to say those things to my family. You know, hopefully we can always, um, you know, go out and do what we feel like we, we want to do as a family and things like that. So, you know, growing up, um, you know, that, that didn't have a, a huge effect on me, but it was something I remember. Um, I think what probably had the the biggest effect on me, um, you know, in terms of just talking about poverty in general, um, was I took a trip to Haiti. Uh, it was back in 2010 and it was right after the big earthquake that killed, I want, I think it was a little over a hundred thousand people. If I remember right, Man. it was a horrible earthquake. Yeah. And they had a big cholera outbreak after that. So a few buddies and I from OU, we decided to go there and um, just help out as much as we could Um, just rebuild with these, uh, these essentially plastic houses. That was kind of our our goal of going there. And we, we were there for about a month, but, but going back to that, like the thing that stuck out to me and let me know just how naive I was about poverty in general was, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, we, were, we were circling the airport in Port-au-Prince, um, you know, getting ready to land. And you, you see the, the shanty towns and the tent cities and, and the dilapidated buildings that, that were still there from the earthquake that happened a few months earlier. And you think, oh man, that looks really bad. But that's from the air, right? You, you don't get a very good perspective or a perfect perspective on, on what those people are really going through. So the plane lands in, in Haiti and I remember going through the airport and it's just chaos, right? Like Haiti's a top 10 poorest country in the, the world. It was chaos. Um, you're, we were lucky to get our luggage, right? Um, we, and it, it really didn't occur to me at that point, even that point, that I was in a very, very poor country and I would see people that were extremely impoverished. I think what really stuck out to me was this, like, have you ever had just one of those moments in your life where there's just like a picture and it just sticks in your memory, right? Like like 4K resolution, like there's just this this picture that sticks in your brain. Um, And and I think one of the biggest pictures that sticks in my brain um, was the moment that I stepped out of the airport. And I see it was about four or five little kids, definitely couldn't have been any more than seven, eight years old, all of them sticking their hands out through the barbed wire fence and just hoping that we would flip an American quarter to them because they could live off that for the day, American quarter, you know, Um, because the exchange rate there was about, I think, 10 to one, you know, for every one dollar of American currency. It was 10 for Haitian, right? So they, they relish and even a quarter. So getting off or out of the airport at that point, before we headed off to the compound that we were staying at is stuck in my memory because I went from being someone who had to think and be conscious about going out to eat on the weekends to someone who saw pure and total desperation from poverty. Um, so man, that, that stuck with me big time. Still sticks with me to this day. I remember almost every single detail from that. Um, just that moment stepping off or out of the airport. So, you know, that, that's something that really shaped my, my thinking, especially about poverty. Um, we we got it bad here in a lot of ways. We're we're spiritually impoverished in a lot of ways in America, yeah. physically impoverished. I, I get it, financially impoverished, definitely. But uh, man, it was just a new level of uh, of poverty. So that that was really something that kind of stuck out to me and changed my just overall perspective growing up about the topic of poverty and how we as Christians approach it. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's there's a lot more stuff. Um, just from that trip alone, that really stuck out to me um, about the the topic of poverty. Um, but you know, this is only a half hour podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think that
0: one of the one of the most important parts, one of the most important kind of times in my life have come from trips that I've taken to third world countries where a perspective on real poverty is shoved right in your face versus what we consider having hard times here uh, in the United States, where we have it so much better than, than we could ever imagine. And That's something I I recommend for anybody, you know, just to have that perspective, not not to, you know, not to just kind of sit in in your place and think, okay, like, you know, this is this is the way. No, the world is different. And and having a different view of that, a different perspective that comes from that or being involved in that. And Cody, this is something that we had even talked about beforehand. I I mean, you've been exposed as a law enforcement um, person to 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 be in a situation where you've seen this right. not in another country but in your job in Wilmington, Ohio. Yeah. What does that look like in that setting and and how has that maybe shaped some of your views on this issue?
1: Yeah, I've i couldn't say how many houses I've walked into and when you open the door, you you take a step in and part of the floors missing. Uh there's I've been in houses where there's cockroaches that Frequent the floors. We had, uh, we've had incidents where there was no heat in a house during the middle of the winter time. uh, You know, kids are wrapped up in five blankets with by a kerosene heater inside of a home. I've, I can vividly remember one of the calls that's really opened my eyes. It was a call where somebody seen two little toddlers outside uh, an apartment complex. And it was dead of winter, about two or three o'clock in the morning. So I go out there, and there's two little toddlers out there. One's in a diaper, and the other is probably four or five years old. And both of them, they can't really talk. Uh, Their verbal skills wasn't the greatest. And I was able to find a door that was kind of cracked open, enough for me to kind of knock the door opens, and I start asking if anybody's inside. There's there's a cop term or a legal term called exigent, exigent circumstances, and so I went into the apartment and I found the parent of these two kids. Uh, these kids were sleeping in bathtubs. Uh, there was trash all over the floors. There was no food in the cabinets, and you know, it's just it was one of those. And, and I turn around when I'm processing everything. I turn around and I look back and I see both kids smiling, and it was it was uh, it was a heartfelt moment for me because. I've had moments in my life where money's been an issue, and I, you know, you get that feel sorry for me, or that frustration, or that anxious feeling, and these kids are in this lifestyle, and they're still smiling, you know, it's, it was a uh, tough pill for me to swallow, it was an eye-opening, kind of like what Nathan, what Nathan Nathaniel was talking about, (laughs) 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 <laughs> um, and I've had, you know, I could, I could, like he said, this is a half hour podcast. I can tell you many incidents that, that I've seen, uh, similar stories like this, where I've went to houses, uh, you know, it's, it, it really is a, a, uh, topic or something that if you don't go and expose yourself to situations like Nathan did, or if you don't work in the, the public service type of work where you go, you go to these houses, or maybe, you know, you've had family that, that live these kind of lives. I mean, it, if you don't see that or are exposed to it, you almost feel like it's not around here. I mean, you just think kind of like what he was saying. It's just, it's out in other countries, but it's not. It's it's here on in, in our turf, on our soil too. Um, so, you know, and I and I know that we'll get into it, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things where some of these kids growing up, I don't have a statistic with me, but there's probably a high probability that they'll grow up and be uh, in a similar type of lifestyle, you know. Yeah. So but we can get into that
0: generational poverty, right? I mean, that's I mean that's a real term. It's a real it's a real thing. It happens. Yeah. And I think if we're just talking about money and work and what opportunities we have or don't have that's one part of this maybe the hardest part though and you both have alluded to this is when we're talking about situations that the innocent really hurt and you talk about Haiti I don't I don't I'm not saying every single one of those people that you met, this is their situation, but a big number of those people, there's no getting out.
2: Mm, yeah.
0: that That is their life. It doesn't get any better than maybe a meal here or there or a job or trying to do something like that. Or even those kids, you know, you look at that situation, the parents maybe are to blame you don't know what their background is. Did right. they come from the same thing? Yeah. You know, did did they grow up and is that all they know? Was there no role models in their life, you know? And but those kids are innocent sufferers in mm-hmm. that. That's where this issue really starts to tug on the heartstrings and really kind of break you down as a human being and just open your eyes to the reality that this is not as simple as go get a job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I
2: Definitely.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, like I said, it it was an eye opener for me, and it's and it's changed my perspective on what's what's important, you know. So it was it was a uh, I don't know, it was life changing. So
0: the I have two things. One's my own, and and the other is one that I experienced in India, similar situation, Nate. For me, growing up, we didn't have a lot we weren't poor but we weren't we weren't rich we had clothes we had food but things were generally tight and i remember i wanted to play baseball one year i don't even like baseball now mm-hmm. like i i can watch it if the reds are good like i can watch it yeah but i like i'm not a big baseball fan like it's not my sport so but i wanted to play baseball this year And like any kid, I wanted the Nike cleats and I wanted the whatever nicest ball bat and ball bag. And it was a, you know, it was a social standing. It was, it was look at me. Here's what I got. It was, it was that kind of, you know, to to be cool. Like that's what I want. I remember going to the store with mom and dad and going through picking that stuff out and I had to get the knockoff stuff like it wasn't the biggest best stuff and in that moment i threw a fit mm-hmm. i threw this fit not like you know I'm, I'm i was probably 14 15 so it wasn't like you know rolling on the ground screaming and kicking but i i made it known that i was not happy that i had to settle for something that wasn't as good as i thought i should get and every time I think back in that story, I just cringe. It makes me cringe. Yeah. Because my if my dad would have like jumped down my throat and told me that I was this ungrateful brat that, you know, he was gonna kick my butt, <laughs> then maybe it wouldn't be as impactful of a moment for me. But he didn't say a word. Hmm. And to this day, man, like that crushes me. Like to know that that I was that ungrateful, you know, for what they were doing for me. Like it really is an emotional thing for me. Um, And it makes me appreciate them more and the perspective that they've given me on how I should uh, use my money and spend my money. Um, And it, I mean, it just, it makes me cringe every time I think about it. Just Mm -hmm. how ungrateful I was in, in that moment. That was, that was one that really just formed an idea of, you know, what money should be. The other one I think about, and this one just blows me away. I, we go to India, we're driving down the road, and we see this woman walking. Uh, she's walking down the road, and there's a little boy, and there's a little girl with her. And, and then there's a baby, And the boy has a drum and the girl is, is they're dressed up, but you can tell like they have some, they're, they are not, they don't not have money. They're the faces, the hair is not done. It's all matted. They haven't had baths. They're dirty. Like Mm -hmm. you can tell, like they have no money and they're begging. So I'm looking over and I just, we get stopped at a stop sign where they're sitting and the the daughter and the and the and the mom i guess if she is that are talking but it's not like you would if you saw a mom and a daughter talking it just it let off that va- that that vibe that 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 relationship is not a daughter mom fight I, I can't explain it other than that that it just was it was weird it was awkward and so I asked the, the missionary, his name is Rana Samuels, just a great friend, has a great mission in India, um, just a, a great dude. I love him to death. But I, I, I leaned over I said, like, what's the situation? He says, that's probably not her kids. She's got a baby, a girl who's probably eight, nine, and a boy who's like four or five. It's probably not his kids, He's, her kids. He said she, said, she probably rented those kids from a family even worse off than her, to take them on the street with her, to beg, and if she has the baby, and she has the kids, mm-hmm. then she's got a better chance of getting money. Now, you look at that. That's a scheme, right? It's a right? scheme. Yeah. It's a scheme to do this. It's desperation. But, but who's schemed? This girl is so desperate that she has to rent these kids to do this thing so that she can get a few... Coins here and there, and then split it up and pay the family. Like it's, yeah, it's just mind blowing some of the situations out there in the world. And we look at our situation and we think, man, that we've got it tough because you know, I can't pay this bill on time or I can't do this thing on time. Having a perspective of what's really going on and opening your eyes to this issue is, is so important before we can even begin to have the right kind of heart to deal with it in a way that is good and that will bring honor and glory to God. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm married to a, to a woman that would give every cent out of our bank account to somebody who needs it. And I'm not that person. And
0: has at times, right, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, and I'm not that person, I mean, God love her, I mean, and I wish I could be like her, but I'm not, and so it, it's we've had struggles in our marriage because she will spend every last dime we have to help somebody, you know, and it's it's put stress on on our life, and uh you know, but it's her heart's in it and in in the right way, and she's taught me a lot, it's made me a better person because of of how she gives and how she serves. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: I, um, I think there's a, a couple approaches that I see. I see people taking this that I think we have to talk about and, and bring them to light because they don't help bring a solution to this. One is, the pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps approach, which is, I got myself out, you can get yourself out. I mean, that's the mentality. And and there have been people who ha- have, have have gone from rags to riches, right? And those yeah. stories are great to hear. Yeah. I love watching the movies Slumdog Millionaire. You seen that movie? Yeah. Great movie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Why? You know, you see this kid, he goes from nothing but he's a he's a good guy, and then he gets to this place where he wins the million dollars, right? right. Uh, do you want to be a millionaire? And he wins it. Mm-hmm. that That story is a great story, and there are so many not as extreme, right but that that follow that same that same storyline of they grew up in a in, in a bad situation and they've made something of themselves. In our culture, in a blue collar, society like we live in or or community like we live in, a lot of the mentality is you can get out of that by working hard enough.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And while I don't disagree that that absolutely has to be a mentality that we approach this issue with, at the end of the day, it's not always that simple. It's much more complicated and nuanced than that.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting to with with my experience in my profession in that these some of these kids or even the parents like you mentioned the exposure they had growing up as kids they they're not afforded the opportunities that i have where um i grew up in a family with a mom and a dad and they're still married and and i have support from them Um, if i Paige and I crumbled financially and our house was repossessed and everything was taken away from us. We still have an outlet and some of these people don't, um, just to get a person into college without any type of support is tough. And so they put a lot of pressure on the school system to help them with that, which I, Nathan, I call him Nathan cause I keep wanting to call him Nate. And then Nathaniel, <laughs> you screwed me up on that.
2: Call me anything you want, dude. We're friends now. Oh, that's <laughs> right. From last week. Yeah.
1: Seven days. No, so but they put a lot of pressure on these guys to propel these kids, what six, seven hours a day for how many days you typically have school? I mean, it, it, about 180 it, days a year. Yeah. And so the majority of their time is not spent at school. And when they go home, whether their parents are drug addicts, whether their parents are, um, I don't know, on some type of medical disability or have some issues like that, they have no moral compass to help guide them or their parents didn't have a moral compass to help guide them or some significant injury injured them permanently. And so you see these, these things happening all the time. It's not just like you said, it's not just the beggar on the corner of the street. It's not, well, if he would quit, he's just asking for money for drugs or he's just asking for money, maybe for food. It's not that always all the time. I've met a lot of people in Wilmington who are asking for money and I can 100% guarantee and validate it right now. They're not a drug addict. I can tell you right now that they can't work right now. There's disabilities they have. They don't have any outlets right now. Um, so they have no family and they have no support. And they're really appreciative. Uh, appreciative whenever you help them. I've, you know, I've pitched in and bought them food at the gas station or some drinks and stuff like that. And um, genuine people. Some of the nicest people I've ever met is some of those those kind of people we're talking about. So, I mean, if, yeah, so.
0: And they speak to this. I, I do believe there are situations where there is just laziness or, you know, they're going to take advantage of a government handout or they're going to be the person, you know, that, that maybe is begging on the corner that when they walk away they get in their brand new
1: car. Oh, and, absolutely. I mean, th- those
0: situations are out there, right? It is there, right? yeah. And because no. it's out there, like it puts a bad taste in our mouth. Yeah. But you know this, man. There are absolutely situations where the situation is they're not going to be able to get themselves out of this. Like mm-hmm. it is a situation where they are stuck and no matter what they do because of where they live, because of their skin color, because of how they're viewed in in a community, they're not going to be able to break out of that without somebody first breaking into that.
1: Right. And that's where we step in as Christians and show them what it's, what it's like to be Christ-like and show them how to give. But, you know, one of the things that that I that I was reading was, you know, if 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 you are a Christian and and you, and you're trying to be Christ-like in these type of situation, let's just say you live paycheck to paycheck, how do you how do you insert Christ into to their life if money's what they need if you don't even have money yourself? Like what are things that you do yeah that that can benefit not all, you know them, show them Christ. What are some things you can do? I mm-hmm. mean, that's
2: Yeah, there's a uh just kind of go, piggybacking off that point, Cody. There's a guy in Athens, Ohio, and his, his name's Keith Wasserman. He's the founder of Good Works Incorporated. Um, Keith is like, this may sound weird, but if I could have a top 10 list of godly men that you should just look up to and try to try to be like in your life, Keith is... Definitely in my top three. Right next to you, Kevin, and right next to you, Cody. Oh, man. Dude, <laughs> yeah. now he's not just so. our friend. <laughs> he's now our best friend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Woo! So, Keith, he uh, he started Good Works out of his basement. Um, and his wife and him, back in, I think it was 1981, they just started inviting um, travelers, like just homeless travelers that would head or come through Athens and just say, hey, need a place to stay for a couple nights? Get rested. You can be on your way if you need to. If you want to stay longer, cool, whatever. We'll, we'll mingle.
0: I did that once. Did you? I let my brother live with me for
2: over a year. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude, that's dangerous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you guys fight a lot? They still do. I, I win this all the time. Cause, cause Brian, Sunday mornings, my God. Brian uh, would win, man.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but Keith would just do that. And... And I, I got the pleasure of talking with Keith a few times because um, I helped at the the Timothy house, which is his homeless shelter that he provides for Athens and the, the surrounding counties. Um, and one of the things that he, he told me was, you know, if you can't give anyone anything else, like you were saying, Cody, give them a perspective of yeah. some sort, mm-hmm. you know, perspective is the best thing that you can give someone. It's the best thing you can spend your money on. Perspective, 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 and I'll never forget that is the key word used by one of my top ten most favorite godly men on this planet. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, perspective, man. You got to know it, and you got to be able to uh, to convey it to other people as well. You know, looking at scripture,
0: some of the verses. I mean, they echoed this, and it was one of those things that I think just thinking about just put you back in your seat a little bit. But like the early church.
2: Rock stars.
0: Yeah, they had everything in common. They shared it all. Mm -hmm. If there was a need, they took care of it. And the mentality in that, and even scripture goes so far as to say this, is, listen, I'm good right now, so I'm going to give. So that if one day I'm bad and you're good, then then you can be the other side of that. And it was this... It was this giving with a reckless abandon. I think we look at that, and it scares us. It scares me. Sure. It's totally radical, man. It is. It's absolutely radical. But when the church was going good, these are the things that defined it. It says, don't love money. You can't love God and money. You guys have heard that. Mm Why? Why? Because money is, is that thing that can become a god. There are a lot of things in our lives that can become so important that they rule us. But it is like one of the most, the, the biggest ones that can become a god in our life. It can become, you know, our focus to the point where it's, it's our security, it's our comfort, it's our future, it's our, you know, it's all of these things. It defines our status it really can become a god if we let it, and 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 Scripture says, you "Love God or money." You have to choose, and really that that begins to define how we are to to be when it comes to to our money and how we view it and what we do with it. Uh, Matthew talks about don't store up your treasure, you know, on earth where rust and moth can destroy, and it's. When it comes to money, we should be thinking about the future, but not the future of how much we'll have when we're done, but how well we've used it to the glory of God. I uh, was listening to, I think it was, I want to say it was a, I think it was a Timothy Keller podcast or sermon he had written. But he had told a story about this Man who's just wealthy, wealthy man, very generous, godly, wealthy man. You know, that's the guy we want to be, right? God, mm-hmm. let me be the guy that has all the money so that right. <laughs> I can give it out. Yeah. <laughs> I use the quote, remember the quote I use in my sermon, that one? I said, uh, Some of us, God's saying, Hey, have a pool, yep. Yeah, but then yeah. invite everybody over. Like, <laughs> yep. we want to be the guy with the pool. God, let me be the guy with the pool. But this is the quote from this guy. He said, The day before I die, I want to write my last check and I want it to bounce. You know, he he wanted to be so generous that he gave everything away. And I think that is that radical mentality that we have to have that God wants us to have. One more story just from Scripture, In Mark talks about the rich young man. You have this guy who he comes to Jesus and he says, "Hey, Jesus, what do I, what do I do? How can I be, you know, one of your followers? How can I know that what I'm doing is the right thing?" and and essentially Jesus says, "Well, you know, um, love God, love others." You know, he he kind of goes through that list of 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 these things that that you can do, and 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 the guy says, "I've done all those things." You know, has to be excited, and it says, "I, I love this." It says. And Jesus looked at him and he loved him. like He was one of those just good guys who tried to do it the right way, tried to live the right way. And he says, one more thing you have to do, give away everything you have and follow me. And he walked away. And I can't help but think, would I do the same thing? I mean, I don't have a tremendous amount of money, but I like what I got. And I think when we deal with this issue of poverty, when we deal with this issue of money, when we deal with this issue of, you know, what does God want us to do in this? I think we really have to get To the point where we say, hey, listen, God, wherever you take me, whatever you want, even if that means bankruptcy, even if that means writing my last check before I go to the grave and it bounces, even if it means foreclosure, even if it means life without a pool, Hmm. like I'll do it. That's what loving God and not loving money looks like. And I think that's what makes this subject so difficult. At the end of the day, God's view on money is absolutely, I don't care how much you have, just use it to my glory and not your own. I don't care how much you have. If you're the lowliest beggar in the world, just love me every day. It's that whole story of the the widow's mite. Jesus is sitting there with the disciples, listening, you know, they're listening to people in the temple and they're dropping off their offerings and they're, they're making, you know, the guys are coming in and they're taking these big bags and splashing it around so everybody could hear, right? And then you have this, this, this woman walk up and you hear, dink, dink. And Jesus says, she gave more. Mm-hmm. How? I mean, economically, that doesn't make sense. But it does in God's kingdom. We are the solution to poverty (laughs) as Christians. It's us. What we do and how we live our life. It's not a government program. It's not socialism. It's not capitalism. It's not any government program that is offered or any government entity that is going to save us. It is God alone. It is our perspective. It is how you and I and every one of us live our lives every day and what we do with our money that is going to fix the problems in this world. Because God is the only solution. And we get to be a portal to Him. We get to be a door to Him. And so we go, and we live radically every day. We get perspective. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I would say uh, this was a good show.
1: I agree. <laughs> It'd be
2: even better if Cody prayed. Ooh.
1: Man. Yes. You like that? Yes, I do. Smell the,
2: <laughs> oh. the feller. Smell the feller.
0: And I think uh since you're fluent in Chinese, maybe you should pray.
1: Let me give me about five minutes to type it in and then I'll translate (laughs) it (laughs) it out. I'll just hit the play button. (laughs) No, thanks for listening. Uh, Again,
0: this is fun. If you have any ideas for topics, please let us know. Share, like, subscribe, talk about it, tell people about it. Um, We do. We want, we want this to expand and grow and, and we can't do it without your help. Um, Scream mm. it from the mountaintops! Oh yeah, there you go from the mountaintops, <laughs> from the mountaintops, or uh, Mullen Hill, right? That'll that's, work too. That's yeah. the highest yeah. point. That'll suffice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's end on that. Uh, Nate, will you close in prayer, please, sir? Sure thing, man.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, uh, just th- thank you so much for letting us uh, do this. Um, you know. By no means are we, are we pros, but we're getting to talk about something that we're very passionate about, and that's you and your word and what you stand for. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for um, giving us all, all the things that we need, not necessarily want, but we need. And, and Lord, thank you most of all for giving us you and, and keeping us um, spiritually rich um, and uh, Lord, we just pray for those who are not spiritually rich or physically or financially rich, Lord. Um, we just lift them up to you. And uh, Lord, I can't wait to do this next week and just explore you and your word again. So, in your heavenly name, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And uh, that's us signing off. Ziyan. That's
1: bye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh.